Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today is a very exciting day for Overly Animated. In celebration of Mysticons and its glorious end, I am here today with some special guests. Today I'm joined by Sean Jara. Hello. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Matt Ferguson. Hello, hello. Sean is the creator of Mysticons. Matt Ferguson is the uh, series director. And first of all, I just wanted to congratulate you guys on this wonderful, wonderful show. Um, I, you have no idea how jealous a younger me is that kids today can watch this show. <laughs> she is so jealous. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to thank you guys for being here and thank you for this kind of lovely journey you took us on. And yeah, I just wanted to start off by asking how did... Mysticons come to be? Like, what's the history behind the project? Uh, that's a long one. I think I'll try and give the shortest answer possible, but it, it started like seven years ago, I think. And uh, uh, Nelvana approached me. They had like sort of a partnership with Ternante and um, Playmates and were looking for a project. And they asked me to come in and pitch, uh, which I did. And um, it was probably one of my worst pitches of all time. But, uh, but so? you know what I got? I, well, just I went in. I didn't expect it to be a pitch. And, and uh, I didn't really have anything prepared. But then, you know, the guys from Ternante and Irene uh, Weevil from uh, Novana. Is that how you pronounce her name, Matt? I never know the exact way to pronounce her last name. <laughs> I've been there for like yes, 10 years. That's right. Yeah, okay. That's she, um, she, they, they were like, well, okay, if you could, you know, do your dream show what would it be and then i just started talking about dungeons and dragons and at the time it was a boys show so i was like you know well you know 10 year old boys when i was 10 i was playing dungeons and dragons and i went and started talking about all the adventures um my friends and i got into and um and then they were like okay we'll write that and uh then i wrote that version and they were like okay well we can't do that because <laughs> it was like it was way too like D based but like they helped me find the show uh, uh, that would resonate with like young boys today, and um, so you know, I still kept a ton of D and D elements and the fantasy theme, of course. But you know, we had a really cool boys version of Mysticons, and some of it is online, like the the remnants of what we did. And um, uh, and I think Matt, you came on towards the end of that process, right? Yeah, I I came on, yeah, maybe like to the last month or so of the boys version, and and then. Um, we were kind of working away. You guys had written a bunch of scripts at that point. There were some voice records as well done. And then it was just on a Saturday that one of the producers called and said, now we haven't talked to Sean yet. <laughs> That's a great way to start the conversation. Yeah. That's right. But we've, you know, we were talking to Nickelodeon and they still, they still really love the show and, and they think it's great, but but what they really want is is a girls action show, a show, you know, and they would still support the show and everything is the boy version. But, um, you know, could we do is there any way to make it a, a girl show? And for me, I was new to it. I was only on there for a couple of months. Um, I, I liked what the show was already. But as soon as I heard that, the big smile came over my face because I was like, yes, yes, this is an amazing opportunity, right? To be able to make something just as kick-ass as, as we were making the boys version. Um, but let's let's do it for girls, starring girls. And, and it just added this 
this whole new amount of kind of life and and freshness to the to the thing and uh and so it was i was on board instantly and and then you know then, it cut, then to, it cut was, to me and i was like <laughs> no no and, and it was like um and it wasn't for the reasons that that i just didn't want to do a girl show i i think my reasons were twofold i i was super close to the material because right. boys version was really based on my friends and myself when we were kids so there was a personal connection but also you know, I had been doing boys' action shows for a number of years, and I just even thought from a practicality level, I was like, you know, I'd heard so many times that, like, girl shows don't sell, and the toy companies, I was like, toy companies don't want to sell girl toys, uh, yeah, at least as action figures, and I was like, does a toy company know? And and when the producer called me, she was like, uh, well, yeah, they do know, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's unusual. So I knew something different was going on, and it was a wave of shows that came out that year that were targeted towards girls, and uh, I think Nelvana and all of our partners wanted to be part of that that movement, and um, and then you know of course once I talked to Matt and uh, we got to know each other, like I really did immediately have that same reaction that he had, where it was like, okay, well this could be really cool, um, and and I also had a, a young daughter at the time, and like Matt, uh, our kids are almost the same age, and and I was like, okay, this is less selfishly about me and more about my kids, which which. <laughs> is a definitely a better place to 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 come from and um and and then just the nature of the content i think both of us uh, uh um have worked on a lot of shows that were more boy centric but to to think of stories in in terms of from the point of view of girls and even the fact that we were able to uh go out and hire an almost all women writing team like that changed everything for me um and and Matt as well i think your crew you were going out looking for women to on the design oh, yeah. side yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and, you know, it was it also kind of gave us this sort of rare opportunity in animation where where we were told, OK, we're basically we're making this show, but we want it to be totally different. Go. And, <laughs> and so we had, you know, we had the name Mysticons and we had the basic premise, the idea that we wanted it to be about four heroes who were saving the world and and they go you know, all kind of with a D&D inspired thing. Um, but really, we couldn't just take the boys version and and flip it to girls. We sort of realized that really quickly. It's like, well, no, we have to make something that's specific to um, to girls. And, and that's when, you know, bringing in all those writers was really great. But it was also a process of we just locked ourselves in a in a hotel room for about a week and yeah. uh, with a couple designers and Sean and the producers and, and myself. And, and we just kind of went through and, and figured out like, okay, what could this be? And, and we, you kind of never get that opportunity in, in TV animation where, where it's, you've got a whole bunch of supportive partners and, and they're just telling you just make us something great. And, uh, and it was a, it was a ton of freedom and it was fantastic. And so we, yeah, we spent that week. Sean totally created a new, brand new <laughs> show, happened to have the name, the same title. And then we went back and pitched it to everybody else. And, and everybody else, I think, fell in love with, with our same excitement. And, and then we were just off and running, too, because it's like we, yeah. had, a, we had a premiere date, basically, and we just had to go, uh, which is, I think, the best way to do it a lot of times. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And how long were you working on, Sean, were you working on the boys show? Like how long did you spend on it? 
It was a long, so this is, this is what the tricky thing is, why it flipping to girls is a good thing because it took, I was on the boys version about three or four years. Like we wrote 12 episodes, I think. And, uh, and then the original director did a, or did you do that, Matt? Did you do the Leica for that one? We kind of split it. He started okay. it. I, I finished it off. Yeah. So we actually have a Leica of the first episode and, um, and tons of designs and we were ready to go with that one. Um, but that was three to four years. And Generally, that's typical for most animated shows in Canada, at least. I can't speak for the States as much, but um, it was a, it's usually a long process. And honestly, like when it flipped to the girls version, it happened so quickly. Like Matt said, it was a week. And we re-envisioned it together. It was Matt and myself and one producer, um, Tracy Dodkin. And we it gave us a ton of freedom because there wasn't any time. Like you can sometimes overthink shows in development, and with especially when you have a lot of partners. And we had one amazing partners who just were like they trusted us and they were like just do it and then we had no time we and that doesn't allow you to to overthink things just by the by sheer physics like matt and i were like okay let's do it okay and then he had a couple of artists who were like literally drawing as we'd come up with an idea and then as we're speaking we'd hear an email ding and suddenly two hours later we'd have this amazing design for a character and it was happening so quickly and it was exciting and i you know i think matt will agree like that's the way it should happen all the time yeah. But this this was very rare, you know. Um, so a lot of good stuff came out of that that decision to switch to girls. Cool, cool. And once you made that switch, how many iterations of the Mysticons were there, or was it just like immediately you knew you wanted a dragon mage, you wanted the 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 wolf, the phoenix? Like, was it just like an immediate kind of thing? Like, you knew you wanted like were the names like just like an immediate, or were there various iterations in that very condensed week? Um. What do you, think? do you remember it that? Came, it came pretty quick. I mean, I remember a couple of things. Like, do you remember Piper was originally Willow? I think she was oh, Willow. Yeah. She was That's Willow right. Piperbrook. And then <laughs> I don't remember why we switched it, but we said, oh, no, wait, Piper's better. Yeah. Um, and then there were a couple of things, too, because they're all based on on D&D classes, too, right? And so we did do a couple of things to try to make it a little bit more specific to the um, to the Mysticons world. So it's like it's a starting place. So things like the mage, we kind of added dragon mage mm-hmm. to make it kind of specific. Same thing, I think Piper was originally the monk, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then it felt like, oh, well, we can get something a little bit more specific for, um, for her. Um, but it was pretty quick that the bones of that stuff... I mean, I think the very first meeting that, that you had with me when you pitched me the new... Okay, like we had... We had the lunch and we were kind of talking about it, went away, and then you came back and it and it was really um the the princess and the thief as the yeah. a, as the core of it. So so what if we kind of have these two different worlds and we collide them together? And yeah. and the idea of the um and I think very if I'm remembering right, it was like the princess and her handmaiden and yep. then the the thief and her sister. That's and so right. then that ended up morphing to kind of Arcana and M, who no longer really was her handmaiden, and then Zarya and Piper, and Piper was really a sister in spirit, not an actual yes. kind of sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. And you know, the archetypes were the same because the boys were sort of the same classes, like you said. But um, but I think you probably like in terms of writing it, like there weren't a t- there wasn't a ton of there weren't a ton of iterations on my side. But I think once. Um, Nick bought in and uh, our partners and especially um, Playmates, the toy company, I think it just got down to the nitty gritty of, okay, what are these characters actually going to look like? 
uh, and the animation practicalities that that I think you had to deal with, Matt. Right? Like. Oh yeah, um, I mean there were there were tons of iterations in terms of um, the look, you know, and it's really just a, it's narrowing it down, going down different pathways, and that didn't work, and or we really think it's great, but we're never going to be able to animate that, or you know, stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, because we had a really cool uh, mech design for M originally, I think, and there were it, there it changed, were, but yeah, there were so many cool. Mech- <laughs> I think I think the designers that's all they wanted to do were design that as mech. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah so like, I sure. feel like doing like Gundam designs and going yeah, nuts yeah. with it. Yeah. But totally. um so before Mysticons, can you kind of give me a little kind of rundown of your careers leading up to that point? So like how yeah. did you get to that place where you could kind of get that freedom to just go and do the, and pitch this show? Uh, I'll let you go first, Matt. I think both of us have equally long and, and <laughs> labyrinthine careers, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, essentially you kind of, in every case, you kind of luck into a situation like this. I mean, that's, that's kind of the truth is, is that not every project is like this. And I think we both really felt like we, we lucked into it really this, this case, you know, I, I came from, um, animation specifically. So, so when I, I graduated from Sheridan college and then went, kind of right into being an animator for, um, uh, for TV. And then, uh, and that was kind of my path into directing. So, so once I had been animating a little while, I, I, there was a shorts program at Nelvana where we could kind of pitch shorts and, and, uh, and make those. And so I, I pitched a short and it got picked up and that was my first kind of chance to kind of direct something. And then, and then I just kind of started hopping from series to series and, and for a while was doing a lot of kind of 11 minute comedies, the really kind of quick, snappy, um, funny gag driven kind of things, which is great. And I, you know, it was a ton of fun. And so when this came up, for me, it was my first opportunity to do something that, that felt a bit meatier, that had a little bit more of a story and especially something that had an arc, which is which is rare, especially now, you know, it's a lot, I'm hoping it's moving back into that now with a lot of streaming services and Netflix and all that. Um, but for a while, nobody wanted to do anything with an arc. They, nobody wanted to do something with a continuing storyline. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of me. I was sort of directing mostly, mostly short, short comedies and then, and then uh, came into this and, and uh, yeah, just loved living in that palette, that world of telling a, telling a bigger story. Awesome. Awesome. And what about you, Sean? Well, uh, I, I kind of fell into sort of film and television a long, long time ago. I got bit by the bug in like first year university, I think. And, um, and I, I took a whole bunch of courses like student film courses. And, um, but I, I would take all these courses cause I was doing another degree, but I, I took every single course, like sound recording, uh, booming, um, continuity. The only course I never took was a writing course. Because uh, I was like, ah, I could write a script. Anyone can write a script. And I would always poo-poo the writing process. And, you know, I, I did a few short films. Uh, and um, But then I, I sort of fell into writing because I was also working as a crew member on a lot of, um, uh, like, sort of genre TV that was in the 90s here in Toronto. And that's what I did to make a living, like, work during the day on crew and then write your scripts and shoot your films at night. And, um, uh, and then I ended up, you know, working with on uh, a show called Fast Track, and it was Larry Gelbart, uh, the creator of MASH, who was writing it. 
or his nephew was writing it, and then he had to come in and save the show. And long story short, it was such an amazing save that I was like, oh, that's what a really good TV writer does. And uh, I basically was so impressed by it. Like, I was like, I want to do that. And uh, so then I re-educated myself. I went to the Canadian Film Center and uh, learned what that process really was and uh, worked on a bunch of like tween shows. I, I worked on Degrassi. That's where I started um, and uh, did some tween live action shows. And then again, fell into animation because the sort of live action business collapsed for a couple of years here. And I honestly, I used to poo poo. I was an animation snob. I was like, I'm not going to write an animation. And <laughs> And then I, you know what, I, out of desperation, I took an animation gig, but uh, I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is amazing. Like it's, it was, it's everything I wanted in terms of like the meshing of action with comedy. Um, and frankly, like it was funnier than most of the live action stuff I had worked on. And there was also a lot more freedom, right? Um, at, at least at that point. But yeah, and then I worked and kept working and eventually specialized in sort of toyetic shows because um, I, I got a gig through uh, Irene and Nelvana. I worked on Battle Force 5, which was uh, Nelvana's first boys action show. I um, also did a, a script for Ben 10 and, and worked with those guys quite a bit on other shows. Um, and, and yeah, and then for the last 10 years sort of specialized in action shows because I, uh, I was a huge 80s action show, action movie fan and I just love that genre and it, it comes naturally to me. Um, and yeah, and then that was my start. Cool. Cool. And Matt, why animation for you? What was like your, like what made you like just from when you were very young, you just always were attracted to animation. Yeah. Animation's always been the only, only option for me. It's really like, I don't even know where it starts. Some key sort of things for me are, you know, wonderful world of Disney, seeing the behind the scenes, putting the the cells down and taking that, that like all that stuff. It just always intrigued me. The, 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 it was, it was really who framed Roger Rabbit for me. That, that <laughs> just completely put me on the course. That was like, Nope, that is it now. That is 100. <laughs> I, you know, I wore out that VHS and uh, yeah. So it's, it's always, it's always been animation for me for sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. And do you guys think that animation is taken seriously? I know that we have a previous animation snob with us, but did, do, do you think that now <laughs> animation is be like, is there kind of still kind of this, this stigma against it? I, th I think it's, I think it's mixed. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's taken more seriously now probably than, than when I was a kid. Um, and, and, just objectively, it's it's better now. I know that everybody's always nostalgic for for when they were a kid. But if you just look at what's happening, like in just look at TV, right? Um, if you're completely objective about it, the kind of stuff that's that's happening that you know Cartoon Network is doing, that Nickelodeon's doing, that everybody's doing, and you compare that to the shows that I loved as a kid, you know the truth is. They're only good because it's nostalgic, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like uh, I love He-Man, and you know, it's that it is it's it's just objectively not a good show, right? Um, but it's so there. I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of really great stuff happening, and I do think it. You know, it, I think it depends who you talk to, but I think that it's it's definitely taken more seriously uh, now than it used to be. 
gotcha. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of golden ages of animation, but I think we're in one right now. Like, um, the technology and just the level of storytelling is so high right now. Um, and like Matt, like, yeah, I, you know, when I started doing boys action, I, I went back to some of my childhood favorites like GI Joe and like Voltron and, and re-examined them. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this stuff is like not holding up. Because, you know, G.I. Joe, as much as I loved it, it it was really just a set of maybe three huge action set pieces per episode um, with not very little in-depth character work or stories, um, just an excuse for action. Um, And yet I loved it, you know. So um, same with Voltron. I think uh, 10 years ago I was up to develop it when it was with, I think, Alliance Atlantis. And and Voltron was just like, again, it was I was it was it was like it was sad to see my my memory of it sort of dashed by my professional uh objective criticism of it but um but yeah no i i think we're in a great great time and um i think it you know you know my wife alex works in one hour stuff in in the one hour genre world and when she she watches the mysticons episodes with me she's always astounded she's like so much happens in 22 minutes versus like a typical one hour show and i think you know matt and i were really intent on trying to pack as much as we could into each episode so um so yeah it's uh, i think we're in a, in a good time to be uh, an animator just to be in the animation business totally totally and did you guys know once you started working on the show did you know from the very beginning how the because it's such a plot heavy show and it's so much world building did you know from the beginning where you were going to go with these characters or was the entire journey kind of, was there anything surprising about that direction that you ended up going in? Um, Sean, had, Sean had big plans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I generally, um, I think, you know, I don't know if I had created my chart, but I have a chart that I do for every show, which is basically like, you know, every episode. And so right off the top, we knew we were going to get 40 episodes. And you know, obviously I was hoping we would get more, but from the beginning we were like, okay, here's 40, which is an, I've never had that kind of order given to me. And so I knew it was an opportunity to, you know, do multiple seasons and have cliffhangers um, if we wanted um, and a chance to sort of arc, have like two or three really cool arcs. So that was the luxury that Matt and I got to play with because we, and we talked once we had the writing room together um, and Matt was a big part of that. He was there in almost every room until he got, super busy but um we would we talked it through like big arcs um like we knew we were going to end at 40 um and close it off with the small door in case we got more um and then we broke it down into like you know there is the confusion over seasons but we broke it down in the creative room like into three seasons and so we we were able to plot those but at the same time as we were developing it each episode the show grew and that's something important too is like every show changes as you create it and we had to be open to some like surprises like i think the end of episode 26 i originally wanted to kill arcana or like kill yeah, her you you always wanted to kill arcana i know and then <laughs> and then uh, but then they have to go into another plane to kind of retrieve her and everyone thinks she's dead so episode 27 everyone's like heartbroken and i think nickelodeon rightly said that's too dark for us. <laughs> so we, 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 we backed away from that, but, um, but yeah, no, like, so with that, obviously it was some big plot point that changed, but we were working towards that originally. Uh, and then we, that evolved into a, into a better direction, I think. So. Yeah. I would say that my, I feel like you had the, the, 
the large moves there right from the beginning. And, and, um, and then it was just a matter of letting the, letting the show become uh, what it wanted to be too. Yeah. Is that, Cause I think you can get too rigid into those plans as well. Um, and, uh, and I think again, having the majority female writing room helped out a lot too, because I oh, think they, they would, they would be able to be our, our audience of okay when i was when i was an eight-year-old girl what did i want to see you know and um especially you know i found that with the with the romantic storylines as well too because it was i think the one of the original intentions was to try to try to build some sort of love triangle into it and there were a couple of conversations about how you know how do we do that and who's it between and then really as we kept going it became clear like you know what you know what's kind of the better thing to do let's just have some healthy relationships (laughs) yeah (laughs) right and 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 because the key relationship is the friendship between the the mysticons that's the most important one is 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 that relationship and so it felt like being able to have a lot of great experiences of, of real female friendship um, and doesn't, and so they don't always get along. Right. Um, but, it, but that's the key thing. And then to not, it felt, it kept feeling wrong to have the, the romance kind of conflict with that. Yeah. And, and, and in a way it felt sort of radical to say like, let's have three just healthy romantic relationships on the show. Right. And, and, and not make it a, um, uh, not make it uh, infighting about it. Right. Yeah. And that was a huge thing. Yeah, definitely. We, we talked extensively about the relationships in the writing room and, um, and yeah, yeah, like that's, that's the best way of putting it. It's, we wanted a healthy depiction of relationships. I mean, still with drama, but like sure. we didn't, we didn't want it to be exploitative. Uh, and I think there's a lot of shows that, just do that and play it for soap and we didn't want it to ever be soapy um we wanted it to be you know real um but again the focus was more on the girls friendships as friends and um um the only other thing i can think of though that was a nice pleasant surprise and this answers sort of this question on the other one is is kitty and the sky pirates because that was actually inspired at some point matt came to us with like some designs for, uh, I think in the Bible that I wrote, the mini Bible, there was like a one throwaway line of for sky pirates. And I guess one of your artists, I don't know who it was, Matt, um, she designed or he, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I can't a, a whole, remember who did it either. A whole group of sky pirates, like a ship and a captain and a few <laughs> a crew. Well, you can't, you I, can't just put, you can't just put sky pirates <laughs> no, and have people want to design it. I mean, come on. <laughs> and, and you know, I looked at that and I was like, "Oh, we have to put that in." And then, so that's how Kitty evolved. And then she became a much bigger part of the story um, uh, as we started developing them. Because also, um, the actress uh, Katie was amazing, and and she just she was a character that grew out of a uh, out of just one line in a Bible and an artist that got inspired by that one line, and then it just spiraled into something amazing. So um, those are the pleasant discoveries that I love, like when you do shows, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, once you guys heard it was going to be a, a female-centric show, like how important was it for you to seek out a, kind of to create a predominantly female writer's room? Like even just when you were like scouting for people, how much of it was we need that female perspective? 
Um, for me, it was very important. I think for Matt too, and and the producers were all behind us on that. And um, uh, and I had been doing some preliminary work trying to find. It was, you know, in in uh, Toronto, it was really hard to find. There weren't a lot of women with actual experience in um, half hour um, action shows because one, the the boys action uh, boys action animated world for half hour shows is is sort of a boys club. Um, but also those shows sort of fell out of favor over the last 10 years and the 11 minute comedy was, was, uh, reigning supreme. And so all of the half hour, uh, action writers, the women, the handful of women that I knew had moved on and they were in live action now or had retired from the business. And so I didn't have those usual women to turn to. And so I just had to find junior writers, um, some more senior than others for sure. Um, and, uh, but the learning curve was so steep and all of the women just like uh, learned quickly as anybody who's good at what they do does. And, and yeah, we just came up with some amazing stories in the room. Um, and I'll work with that same writing room on any show for the next uh, foreseeable future. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Anything to add, Matt? Yeah, just say, well, the, I mean, the, what's great on the crew side in animation now is it's it's a diff, totally different landscape than it used to be. That when I when I started out, there were really very few women um, in animation, and it's really really changed, which is so exciting to see. And it, and if you go to any um, uh, graduating class show now for Sheridan or CalArts or, or any of these animation schools. A lot of the classes now have are are mostly women graduating in animation, and so it's it's really great to see that. You know, there still is a problem because of the legacy um, number of of men historically in the business, and 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 have been the ones who have risen to kind of places of of sort of creative power. I, I think on shows. But that's it's definitely changing because there is this this wave of young women who are coming into the industry and uh, it's so great. So it's we sort of benefited from that kind of naturally happening in, in animation right now, which is exciting. Cool, cool. And how has this experience of creating Mysticons, working on it, how has it shaped the way that you tell stories, you direct stories? Like how, what was your biggest takeaway from it? Well, for, for me, is to was to not shy away from the heart. I think that that was, um, you know, I think a lot of times you're working in comedy, and and it seems like like the heart of it feels like an enemy to the funny sometimes. Um, and and I think that's really what I think. Even moving outside of going back to comedies or or doing other things that aren't necessarily the same kind of show or, or action. It, for me, it's just realizing that you can have, you can have all those things and it really enriches it. And that's something that, that Sean's writing really kind of showed me that it's like, Oh wow. Okay. So you can have those moments of heart and real friendship and, and then you can have kind of goofy stuff too. And then you can have action stuff too. And so that it can all kind of come together as a piece. Cool. Yeah, and I think you know, uh, I would say from working with Matt, the one thing that you showed me was was just how um, ruthless you have to be with cutting a story down. Because I tend to write sort of 
bigger scripts, I think, and with lots happening. And uh, sometimes I would over-explain. I'm a bit of a, I'm a, bit of a logic, um, logic police officer, I guess, in the room sometimes, maybe too much. But, like, Matt showed me a lot in terms of editing, like, how you can just, how little you have to say with a story um, for the audience to truly understand it. And I would be the one who's, like, maybe putting too much in there. And um, I was always shocked at, like, how I was like, I would write these scripts and then I'd be like, are you sure you can get this all in there? And then it was, as, as you got work your magic, it was just like chop, 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 chop. And <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it still makes sense. And, and so I've, if anything, I've learned to be much more streamlined with scripts and, and I thought I was a pretty ruthless cutter before, but like um, it was amazing to, 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 to work with you so closely on that, that aspect, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to approach every script with, um, with my my Matt editor voice in my head, uh, <laughs> just cut it out. Yeah. Do we do we do we need this scene? It's like <laughs> chop chop. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And you know, going back to heart, let's let's talk about the Kitty Zarya romance because that was something, especially with uh, the podcast, we were very invested, <laughs> very invested. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, you mentioned how Kitty kind of just was this like serendipitous kind of organic creation of her character and her growth. When was the moment that you guys thought that you guys decided to explore this relationship and actually follow through with it? Like what's the history of the relationship between the two? I don't remember when it started, um, but it was definitely, it was, we were thinking about it for a long time. Um, It's not, it wasn't it wasn't part of the conception of her character that this would be that relationship but it was became pretty clearly obvious pretty early on it was almost like the characters just told us <laughs> right That's, and then it became yeah. became a question of okay well now how do we reveal it and how do we um how you know how do we develop that relationship in a place that's going to feel natural and and not like we just kind of stuck something in but that's that was that's my feeling i don't know exactly when it when it that was decided yeah there and like you said it came organically from the characters and i think um like you said it was like the characters sort of spoke to us and i think for me i i it dawned on me when we were writing the script and it was just a line that i think i can't remember if i wrote it or one of the other writers wrote it but um it was when kitty says are you just gonna stand there um looking pretty or are you gonna release me it was in episode 112 the skies of fire right. i think um and that's when it was like it was the first official flirtation i guess and we were like oh okay um and uh and that's where where we realized there was something more than just friendship there um and then it you know then we treated it like all the other relationships in the show um again not not um didn't want to play it for soapiness or um it was just literally just let's make it just like the other other uh, relationships so um and yeah and it just grew from from the characters cool cool were you guys nervous of like any potential backlash or resistance either from the audience or people behind the scenes uh, uh i i wasn't nervous about it um i don't know maybe but maybe I, I i was more nervous i i i'll say that like once we realized that uh we wanted to pursue this um you know i i was like nervous because I'd worked on a number of shows where this had come up before and I was very aware of the roadblocks we would face and part of me was like you know tired of those battles and and 
And I was like, are we going to do this? And I knew what was coming. And I'll say, uh, I'm glad we pursued it. But I will say that um, Matt was a big part of, of um, convincing me to continue pursuing it. Um, and also my writing team, we were all like, okay, we can do it. And because it, it is, it's an enormous thing. It's exhausting. And what's hard is like, I've done it when I didn't have a team and it, it it's, it's tough. Like, cause you know what the right moral decision is. And, but you're going to come up against those barriers because, you know, thousands of years of, right. of, uh, of precedent. So, you know, we, we did decide to go ahead and, and I'm glad we did. And I think it made the show and that particular relationship stronger for it. And, um, it's something that's important. It was important to all of us. I mean, uh, just the writers, uh, some are from the LGBTQ community and, uh, we talked about everything and, and, uh, and how important it was. And, you know, we were sad we hit a roadblock, but we, I think we told, um, a really important story and, and I love the relationship that we told and the two characters, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, animations in this like very interesting kind of transition period where in this, in terms of this like representation, like Legend of Korra was four years ago and that had its big moment. And then four years passed, nothing much. And then like in a span of like three months, like three <laughs> major things happened, like back to back to back. Yeah, like great. With, Adventure, with Steven Universe, Adventure Time, with Mysticons. So I was just really curious, had the Steven Universe episode, had the finale of Adventure Time happened before... Mysticons even began going into production because animation takes a while to do, you know, it, it, because, so we're in this kind of awkward place where the, it's not a smooth like timeline, you know, it's not a smooth little thing. It's like, we have things jump back and forth into where we are as a culture, I guess, as a society. So had those episodes aired, would we have seen kind of like a more explicit thing, more explicit kind of announcement of this relationship in the princess and the pirate episode? Or, is, or you can't you can't say it's it's a, it's kind of hard to it's hard to know because you know things like that happen on those other shows which is great um it's not always as easy as you might think mm. to present a concrete example um and and say here look it's been done and the world didn't blow up <laughs> it's it's um there's there's more pushback than you would think yeah. um and 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 um and and it and, and by the way the pushback isn't coming it doesn't come from evil people <laughs> or people who who think any of these things in their personal lives right it's people who are trying to do the best job at their particular job and and then there's a certain level of fear associated with that and whatever and and uh, so it's, I think that's, it's definitely, it's, it's good. It's great. Um, but I don't think any of those kind of events mean, it makes it easier to do it again, but it, it probably doesn't make it as automatic as you might think. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Anything to add, Sean? No, I think that's a, a perfect description of the conundrum that all of us are in whenever you're dealing with this matter on any show. And um, um, I will say, though, that, like, you know, it, it's it, like you said, it's changing really quickly. Um, and, yeah, people are realizing, oh, my God, you know, 
Steven Universe uh, or Star versus the Forces or even Mysticons didn't turn my kid gay. Like, they just like it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah. you know and uh, there's, it's fear. It, it is fear and it is a systemic thing where, like, no one, you know, wants to say no. And it affected me, like I just said. Like, I had been so browbeaten by this discussion and conversation that even someone who is a big proponent of it and pushing and I push hard Matt knows like we both are pretty we push hard on the stuff that we believe in like I was a little bit like wary of going forward and 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 but I think uh, I'm glad we went ahead and um it's but like you said it's really daunting uh, sometimes um when you when you get into this territory and it's and it's literally systemic like that's what I believe like because it's someone wanting to pass the buck to someone else who's higher up who pass it to someone else who's higher up and no one wants to do that. And the person at the top, all they have to do is say, ah, oh, let's run with it and see what happens. You know, and 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 it really is not going to destroy the world. It's like, <laughs> it's something great. Yep. Uh, right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, I don't know how much you guys can say, but what projects are you working on next? Like, what's like, what's next for you? I was trying, I was trying to think, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, yeah. so probably not say much, but I'm working on something new that is very different from Mysticons and it's, um, it's back into the land of comedy and I'm, I'm hoping I'm learning the, those Mysticons lessons in uh, comedy, but it's, it's very cool. It's going to look super cool. The look of it is, is, um, is pretty, pretty neat. Um, and, uh, and that's probably all I can say now. I never know when I'm allowed to do that <laughs> stuff, so I don't want right? to make a mistake. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, and me, I'm uh, I took a lot of time off because uh, after Mysticons finished, because I was like really exhausted. Um, but I've been focusing on on creating some new shows, and I'm going to be going down to LA in about a month to pitch two new shows. Um, and they're my own, so I think I can talk about them. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, unless one of your listeners steals the idea, and then you know, but you can but no, I you know I, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, one is is called uh, the Girl of La Mancha, and it's um, sort of based on the Don Quixote Cervantes uh, mythology. Um, and uh, another one that I have is called the Epic Legends, and that is sort of an eleven-minute version of uh, it's like a, a fantasy comedy it's definitely more 11 minute um uh jokey stuff it's not as like not a half hour deep story like mysticons um but it's more um just sort of like a fantasy version of teen titans go but like cool. um just something fun and light and uh, about a family of of um sort of mythical heroes so uh, very different from mysticons but again i'm running with the fantasy thing while i can because i'll tell you when i first started this business like fantasy was a dirty word and you couldn't write a fantasy show uh ever or even suggest that you were going to write one because people would laugh you out of a room um and now every all everyone wants to do is fantasy um and i feel like we may be coming to the end of that soon but i have to i have to ride this out because i love fan the fantasy genre so um i'm gonna get as many as i can in there while i can <laughs> I, mean, I hope it doesn't end i mean it's all cyclical but i hope it doesn't but um so yeah the Mysticons are going to continue on through graphic novels, through original novels. Are you guys involved in any of that or no? Not me. I don't know about you, Sean. Are you? Yeah, I was, I was loosely involved. Like I, I sort of 
read a bunch of the early drafts of like the the graphic novels um, and like outlines for the for the novels. Um, but I eventually stopped giving notes because I was just too busy with the TV series version. Right, right. Um, and you know what? They're all amazing authors and writers and artists, and it's like they don't need my help. Like they 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 you know Nelvana went to a great deal of trouble to to work with companies who sourced the best talent they could to represent Mysticons and spinoffs. And uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to meet Kate Leff in LA when I went there once and she's amazing. She did a fantastic job. Um, uh, and all of the artists with the graphic novel were great. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're pros. They, they get the world and, and they spun it in ways that I couldn't have imagined. And that was exciting to me, like picking up those books and reading them. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, so yeah, that's the fun. Yeah, the fun thing for me is that it's the first stuff. The, the both the both the book, the novels, and the graphic novels. They're the first Mysticons things that I can experience as a fan. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, I because you know I'm a fan of the show, but like my head is filled with spoilers. I know it. You know, I know everything, and so I can you know read read the book with my daughter, who's like the perfect age for those novels, and then. Uh, and uh, and same thing with the graphic novels too. And then it's like, wow, it's a new Mysticon story that I didn't know how it was going to end. That's great. So much fun. Awesome, awesome. Um, okay, so to finish the interview, I kind of wanted to ask you guys some kind of like rapid fire questions that I just am selfishly wanted to ask. <laughs> just very <laughs> selfishly, I was like, I need to know. So first, who's your favorite Mysticon? Don't think, just answer. Um, um. <laughs> and um and also which character did you have the most fun with like writing directing which is the one character you're like ooh, they're fun oh the most oh who is the most fun of all the you know oh for me it would be uh, captain chaos i loved chaos. i loved having captain chaos that was great, that was great uh, um Gosh, there's so many, like, because I, I love all the characters, and that's a really hard one with M, but she's the heart, and that's my specialty. But it's fun directing. I, I, I love Gawain. Gawain was just so silly. <laughs> like, I love, I love writing for Gawain. I love being annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and which character did you wish you had more time to explore? Mm, Tasma. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Tasma for sure. Absolutely. We had a lot of big plans for Tasma, and she sort of, but once we discovered Proxima, we made a choice who we were going to focus on, and it made more sense. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And um, what's your favorite moment or line of the show? Hmm. That's hard, hmm. but if you have one. Oh. Oh, I don't know. You have to go, Sean. <laughs> uh, I, I, I loved... Um, there's a couple in the zombie episode, like fake news from the snake. <laughs> Arcana's overly long explanation of what Chaka was trying to convey to her. I can't replicate the line off by memory. But also, I will say this. I did like, because um, I think Allison Court came up with it, but um, it's Dragon Hour at the end. Yeah, that was her. That was yeah. her. Outlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was cool. great. That's a good answer. I'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, last two questions. One, is Necrofa guilty or was it just the mask? Because this is something that we talked about a lot in the podcast. I was like, I want to know I, what you guys think. I have an opinion. It might be different from Sean's. Yeah, we talked a lot about it. And, it, you know, it's interesting. Like, your podcasts were very uh, they're excellent in breaking down the conundrums. And so it wasn't a perfect uh, thing. So I would say 
in my mind, see, there's two versions because we did have the original Macrafa and then the other version. <laughs> God, I think it's mainly I think it's mainly the mask, but Necrofa did make like Proxima, she made a decision to put on the mask that was because of some personal yeah. issue. That's how I, I explain. Yeah, I feel like the mask is only going to accentuate the worst parts of you. That's and because right. we know, you know, Necrofa was spurned from her village, right? There's a reason. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if you know the reason, but she, for some reason she was spurned from her village. So something happened, right? And I think that the mask accentuates that. That's how I've kind of seen it. And same thing with like Proxima. Um, I, I really love how the arc of Proxima all kind of worked out. It was great to be able to tell that story over so many episodes. And I know um, voice actress love, love that too. But it's to me, it's like she was dealing with a lot of kind of jealousy and rejection, um, like rightfully so. She, we put her through the ringer, right? And so, and, and I think that for her, the mask just kind of brought out those kind of elements and just made them, made them bigger, so. I guess the cop out answer is both, but, uh, <laughs> but I think it was, I think, I think it, it came ultimately from the character. Gotcha. Gotcha. And final question is my most selfish question. Will, would have, would Tasma have gotten a redemption? Like was Tasma redemption a thing? <laughs> um, we probably, Matt, I think we were on the same page. We debated it a lot, you and I, cause I think, originally mm-hmm. i was trying to redeem her but you were like let's keep her in the shadows a bit so we probably would have played her as a renewed villain a little bit mm. um yeah. and then redeem her for sure i think she was on the road at some point she was on the road to redemption and that was part of originally part of the reason of bringing in proxima mm-hmm. because our fear of look if we redeem tasma who who do we have we kind of need somebody somebody else um so i think that she would have she would have been redeemed. She's out there in the world somewhere and she'll, you know, whatever's in your heart. <laughs> I, I, I will tease you guys and say that there was like, like, well, well, I went into this thinking that it would always be just 40 episodes towards the end of this series. I think there was talk of doing potentially another 20, which was exciting and exhausting at the same time. But uh, we were going to open it with, uh, I think with, um, Kitty coming back because we were setting up those uh, manta ray things as the the new villains and so yeah. you know there would be an SOS in a bottle message in a bottle of some type that would probably would have been the title of the episode because every fantasy show or, or sci-fi <laughs> show has a message in a bottle episode but anyways yeah we were gonna have Kitty come back and that's the new threat and they would have had to save the realm with um, potentially the Vexicons um, having to come back as unlikely allies or something like that i don't know there's a there was so much that we set up that we could have played with in this uh, is what i want to know as a fan this is what i want to know yeah i want to know um what happened with arcana's dad how did that yes yeah and what about alpha galaga you know yes nova terran's boss he he died somehow you know yep um well, you had a really good theory about that. You had a good. Th- I, we shouldn't I talk did. about. We it. might do. We shouldn't talk about it because I still want yeah. to do more episodes. But I, I think know, those, I are, those are those are big uh, those are big questions. I think that I would want to know. And yeah. then what happens with Tasma? Yes, totally. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll let the listeners ponder. Maybe write a fanfic <laughs> or two with their own answers. That's good. That's good. Um, but yeah, thank you so, so much for being here for talking to me. I know that you guys are very busy, and I've 
kept you on selfishly way too long. But um, but yeah, thank you so much. And again, thank you so much for for creating the show that we've all just grown to love and and support. And uh, I wish you guys the best in your next ventures that you can't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, and thanks, thank you so much for the podcast and and this this little ragtag community of Mysticons diehards. You know, it's been it's been so exciting to to watch the reaction and and to be able to uh listen to the to the excitement um as well from those podcasts and and um it's uh it's been such a great experience to uh uh to get to see that and and uh i mean that's the main reason i mean we selfishly want to know those answers <laughs> to make more episodes but really to be able to do something for this for this group that has really uh, kind of taken the show to heart yeah, I, I can't thank you guys enough, too. It's like, uh, it was really funny because they, I listened to the first podcast uh, again recently, and um, it was funny. I Right from the first reaction, it was a kind of an amazing, like, mixture of confusion from you guys and also excitement. <laughs> and then it evolved into something amazing. And then I'll, I'll tell you this, honestly, like, listening to your podcast, and I know all of the writers um, have listened to a, a bunch of, po- of your podcasts, and we're always amazed because... It was like listening to your podcast was like reverse engineering the conversations that we had in the writing room <laughs> because like you would always say like, well, why did they do this? And then you'd be like, well, they probably had these three reasons. And then you'd lay those out. And we were like, that's exactly the conversation we had. So um, you guys are pretty bang on it. You guys had some uh, really cool suggestions. And, you know, I think we even incorporated a couple of them where we could, if there was time uh, towards the end. We started cutting out the transformation sequence. You know, that, was, <laughs> that was all for Dylan. Totally. Uh, but I would say if we did get more episodes, I would definitely include were dragons. Um, yes. And- <laughs> yes. I wanted to put that as a question, but I was like, no, maybe they hadn't heard that. They would have been like very confused. Yeah. No, I've played, I've played a lot of D and D, and I've heard every sort of combination and iteration of monsters. But were dragons are pretty cool. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. But that does it for this podcast. Thank you so much to Sean and Matt for joining me. Find out all the info on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. Join us on Discord to text chat about animation at OverlyAnimated.com slash Discord. That's where we had most of our Mysticons discussions. And I know that Sean and Matt popped in time and again. Um, You can support us via Patreon at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Uh, thanks to all our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Taylor, a.k.a. Needle. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, Andy, and Hugh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.